What? So just me talking about my trap wind and Jules having a new microphone? Yeah, I'll just mix them. So it seems like a conversation. So it's, I have a new microphone. Oh, I have trap wind. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was exactly what was happening in my head right then. To get started today, I have our first bit of follow-up. So uh, the last week we talked about uh, our stationary setups, our notebooking setups. We did, yeah. Basically, very shortly after after recording that, uh, the pen addict Brad Dowdy on Instagram posted an image where he was using a fountain pen and uh, his his hand was covered in ink and it just made me laugh because that's basically how I was... Uh, this is this is how you envision it, isn't it? This is what you think when you think fountain pens. Poor Brad. Um, so so uh, in this particular case, he's got uh, a pen which is opaque, so it's not transparent. And he, has, he used an eyedropper to fill it. But he didn't realise that, of course... Um, it's there's basically ink in there, so when he starts taking it apart, the ink just comes straight out. There's no cartridge or anything like that in there. Um, so, uh, so yeah, basically a lot of ink everywhere, and, I, and I'm sure it's probably. I mean, it's all over his hand. It's stained his hand. I think that you're right. These are the dangers of using fountain pens. Like it, it, even filling them up, cleaning them, you get this kind of thing happen on your hands. Green ink though, pretty hot. Yeah, lots of different. I don't know which kind of ink that is, but um, I think one of the things that I found with um, with fountain pens in particular is that you know we t- we talk about there not being much innovation in the world of um, the kind of the normal pens that we use, but uh, with fountain pens, there there's always new inks that people are o- always developing new inks, uh, new types of nibs, new barrels. There's constant change. There's always something new going on. And I think when you're when you've got that much wide array of of inks to choose from, you don't just go for black or blue black all the time. Instead, you're like, oh, this one's green and this one's shiny and this one's bright orange. So you end up you end up experimenting a bit more. Um, but yeah, it's it. I'm sure it's I'm sure it could be messy, very messy. This is exactly what I want to avoid. Yeah, this is not what I can deal with, and like something that I want to use daily. That's definitely tissue paper underneath him, like toilet roll. I know that very well. I, I used to use fountain pens at, at school all the time, and we were only allowed to use blue ink. But, you know, I was a bit of a rebel, so I used red and green. The amount of fails I got on papers because I used the wrong colour ink, but it looked so good. I bet it did, yeah. It did. Using red ink, I mean, I can understand that. That's what... That's what colour they mark in. Yeah. yeah, so the whole thing just looked like it was it, it was fine, even though it was all wrong. I'll put a link in the show notes for this image, and you, you can find it on Instagram. It's a nice looking phone on pen, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. It is. It's a nice looking pen. It's just I can't deal with that for something that I'd use daily. Maybe if it was something mm-hmm. that I was like, if I was, I don't know, like, writing cards as like a side project, something you know, different like that. I could probably put up with it then. But something that I need to use daily. I, I don't want my hands covered in ink when I least expect it. <laughs> when I least expect it. Yeah, the problem is you don't realise and then you, you end up smudging your really nice notebook with a load of ink because, you you know, you rest your palm on it or something. Well, that's exactly it. I mean, what if you, you, you don't realise and you get it all over your clothes or it's in your pencil case or bag and then, you know, it goes everywhere? I'm not not interested in that. Well, the, a really a really interesting one, just to kind of um, kind of put this into a, a different perspective, is that when you actually buy 
fountain pen ink. It tends to come in glass bottles. And uh, one of the dangers you get is if you actually buy fountain pen ink in the winter and um, you're living somewhere that is likely to you know, freeze water. Uh, because what happens is uh, if you've got a delivery sat on your doorstep of uh, fountain pen ink, it'll crack. The, um, the, the, water, the ink and it will freeze, it'll crack the uh, glass and it'll just go everywhere. So you'll end up with a big package full of mess. Um, but equally, imagine dropping one of those bottles. A bottle of ink, fountain pen ink, dropping it. Dropping it on the floor, dropping it on concrete. It, you know, you can imagine, you can imagine. So it's not, it's not just the fact that, you know, even if you are careful and occasionally get it on your hands, just imagine just accidentally dropping it or, get, or, or a cat knocking it over or something. Yikes. I, I, I imagine the bottles of ink vary. But do you know if um, commonly they have like, like a screw top or are they left open like a, a whiskey kind of bottle? Um, they usually have screw tops, but I think it does depend. You get you get a lot of different variation because you might get, um, you often get these little small sample bottles that just have like a plug in the end. Um, but there's, there is a lot of variation. Okay. Yeah. As I say right now, it's not something I want to be dealing with, but maybe if it was just something that I can kind of control and not have to use daily or rely on. <laughs> and I'm sure this is probably not as bad as it seems like i mean he was cleaning this out so maybe it was just because of that but you know i've heard of these things happening in general i actually have another bit of follow-up um jules in the first episode we spoke about you being a, a huge fan of bing and now i saw on instagram you have a bing notebook <laughs> yeah yeah i do um i was at um a, a, a search and seo event in leeds uh, which was uh, sponsored by Branded3. And uh, uh, the Bing team were there from the UK, uh, Bing team. And they focused more on things like the advertising side of Bing. But um, there was a, they had notebooks, so I, I couldn't resist the opportunity to get a Bing notebook. Whether I use it or not is a different matter because, you know, I've, I've got my notebooks I like, I've got my pens I like. But uh, hey, why not? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Obviously, the pen... The pen has an interesting clip on it, doesn't it? Looking at yeah, it's a very weird looking clip. It's it's very a uh, very large kind of space at the top. I, it kind of yeah. seems like you could clip it into um, like a cable or something, like like on a bag or something like that. It's quite weird, um, and it's a twist mechanism. But you know, mm. I I don't tend to use pens like that, but I do have yeah. a couple of uh, Microsoft ones. I've got some some Windows Mobile ones and some Surface ones from the from back in the day. I have a bunch of field notes ones, as I'm sure you do as well. You I have those. many, many field note big pens, and I, I don't think I have ever used any of them. I think I tried one just to see if they were they were okay, and uh, you know they are just standard biros or whatever, and obviously the pencils as well they are completely unsharpened. Yes, yeah. Well, that's how you get a pencil, really. Um, yeah, I've got a lot of those. I've I've also got the um, the summer pop. Um, pencils i've got the mm. dvc pencils i've got the carpenter pencils i've got a lot of field note pencils did the dvc pencil come in the um the book extra pack? yes it did, oh, I'll yeah, have it, that did. Then as it was the um it was the eek yeah pack. that's the one mm. do you plan on using this notebook uh no 
to be honest no I, I there i have a few notebooks that i've just got because why not mm-hmm. and no i couldn't resist taking it because you know notebook and bing in one it's like full-on full-on nerd stuff but yeah. um yeah i uh, i probably will not use it because it's not my favorite type of paper cool. and it's not my favorite type of size either you know at the moment i'm using a hobonichi mm-hmm. field note sized uh, notebooks which are uh, great for carrying around whereas this one is um an a5 yeah, it's quite a bit larger than uh, it's, it's more like a standard moleskin. Yeah, I have a um, I have a similar uh, standard moleskin looking thing. That is another branded uh, situation, and I don't actually plan on using that either. It's just currently sat on my shelf. So, I, I, I to be honest, I don't know why I'm keeping it. But I can kind of understand you being a huge fan of Bing keeping this. <laughs> huge fan um yeah i think um i think it will be uh it's just one of those things where i'll probably look at it in a, in a short amount of time and just be like why why have i even got this it's it's also it's worth mentioning that i think the bing logo is going to get tweaked slightly very soon really um i think they're currently testing a slight redesign of the site and it includes a couple more shades in that bing b logo um like a couple of tweaks to the way that it looks uh i mean obviously when it's solid like this as one color perhaps it's, it's going to continue to look the same anyway but yeah they, it looks like they are testing a slightly updated version of this logo that has some shading in it they have actually had quite a few updates to the logo well that particular 2013 being the biggest change well, this this particular B logo here has actually changed a couple of times as well. It's it's been slightly tweaked. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it doesn't really surprise me. It went from it went from being a lowercase Bing to being an uppercase Bing. I I really didn't like the original branding where it was like the the circle B thing and it, and the font was just really squashed. Mm. It just it was the same typeface that they used for MSN, I believe, but it's for the MSN logo. But it was ugly, um, and now they just standardize all this stuff. So, you know, the Bing logo looks similar to the Office logo, which looks similar to the Windows logo, which looks similar to the Skype logo, and so on. And that concludes the first uh, instance of follow-up for the, the Mavis podcast. Great, follow-up. We're actually going to move on to another notebooking-related thing, which is uh, over the last couple of days, Jules ordered some Kuritoga Advance pencils, and we did a bit of a review on them or put together some notes at least i'll be honest i actually haven't opened mine yet it just looks too good in its box <laughs> you've got high hopes for it then you might want to keep it in the box yeah i mean i, I did order two of the um Kuritoga roulettes as well on, on amazon oh yeah you did yeah. they were the same day delivery and i was just like you know what there's a the silver one and the black one i can have two brand new ones i will i'll, I'll just prime them and then i accidentally ordered them to andrew's house so he got them for me Isn't that yeah in, sep- in separate deliveries as well which is yeah weird. they were both meant to be on the same day and then i got a thing to say this one's going to be tomorrow now i guess it was, was a stocking order. issue i actually think it was an address issue i think it's because i, I changed the address from my house to your house hmm. and then it said no we can't do this fair enough Right. On the on the Kuratoga Advance, I uh, wrote my notes about it from basically opening the box and then starting to write the notes about it, if that makes sense. 
Yeah. Was that so? That was that using the HB LED that it came with? Yeah. So obviously, yes. I'm I'm a I'm a B LED person, but I didn't actually have any spare LED on me. It's pretty meta. Pretty meta. I know. So basically, the the bad thing is the notes go from quite a negative view, and then kind of get a bit easier as they go down. Um. So, I I this this whole pencil for me. See, I'm I'm it's got a negative correlation to it because I don't like plastic pencils or pens and that kind of painted it a bit darkly I guess for me what you mean you started off on a negative note because it's plastic and light and not as nice as your Kurtuga roulette Kurtuga roulette yeah yeah that's the only off-putting thing for me so if I start off uh my note started with obviously the lead was square at the start nothing I can do about that just keep writing but that was that was like oh it's really plasticky and light and it's square and I was like it's better improved um, but coming back to the fact that it's it is light and plasticky, it it's only what two grams lighter than the the roulette. Yeah, well, I mean, it, they, they are so there are larger differences out there in terms of pens and pencils. So it's not too dissimilar, but two grams is quite a bit when you think how, about how an actual pencil. However, is the, I cannot remember because obviously it's n- not necessarily the number of grams, but the percentage difference will make. It'll, yeah. it'll give you a better idea. But I think the I think the thing is that it's it's more about the density of it because it is the the there is a plastic component on the high grade and the roulette as well. And it is of the same quality of plastic. So that so we're not in any way saying that the plastic is bad quality. But because it's a thinner it's just like a thinner shape, um, I think it feels more compact whereas this is a larger shape so there's actually more air inside here than there is inside the plastic component of the high grade and the roulette mm. yeah i mean just on that because of because it is made out of plastic and it was quite slippery um and also it's quite thicker and a little bit rattly i guess it it felt kind of cheap to me um I mean, compared it is, to the I mean, high it grade cheap yeah, I know, but the the high grade is also sorry, not the high grade. The Kurtoga Roulette is also cheap, but it doesn't feel it. It's I cheaper guess... now than it was. It was it, that was more expensive when it first came out. The high grades were, and the roulettes were. So the the roulette and the high grade are pretty much identical, apart from the fact that the uh, roulette has knurling around the um, the grip. Whereas the high grade has a kind of a more of a slippery um, finish on the metal, but other than that, they're pretty much identical. The big difference here with the with the advance is the fact that it has a different engine, um, and it has the pipe slide, which we've seen previously. Now, what would you think about those, Andrew? Okay, I was able to write this entire piece of uh, well, a page in my field notes without clicking the end ones to get more lead out. Yeah. Which in with with the roulette, sorry, would have been would have been impossible. You'd have to click it a few times probably. And this is a full page, like there's there's hardly any white space on it. Um which is cool. Uh my main issue that I realized with the fact that the the pipe does go inside of the pencil is that because the end of this uh pencil is quite thick or it's chubbier, I guess, than the roulette. When it goes inside, you can't actually see the point of which you are writing sometimes, unless you are looking like from the side. 
and that kind of bugged me a little bit because obviously when it's when it's fully out when the pipe's fully out you can you can see the point in your writing as you write you kind of lose that that kind of sight and that, yeah, it's, that it's the kind pipe of itself is the pipe itself that's a bit thicker isn't it it's um it's thicker at one end it, it used to be um you know uniform shape like all the way across on the uh on the roulette whereas this is more shaped towards a, a point so it's thicker at one end than the other and then it's got a rounded end uh, at the end of the pipe so i know what you're saying when as you as you move down it actually goes you know towards the the bottom of the actual uh, barrel itself of the of the pen sorry of the pencil um which makes it harder to see but you don't have to go all the way down. Of course, you can click it at any point and it, and it goes all the way out and releases some extra lead on the end. Um, so it's it doesn't make it worse in my eyes than the, uh, the way it was before, but you are capable of continuing to write up to a point where it does look a bit weird. Yeah, just for, just for the listener's sake, do you want to explain the, the mechanism inside of this? And how it relates to the roulette? Yeah, I'll tr- I'll try. <laughs> so okay, so th- so we got the Kuratoga engine in both. So the the roulette had the same Kuratoga engine as the high grade and the standard pencils before it. So all of them have had the same one up to now. The new design has two little arrows underneath the logo, underneath the Kuratoga logo, and that's to signify the fact that it goes, it turns round at twice the speed essentially, or twice the distance of the rotation in the amount of time. And it actually achieves this by having less uh, teeth inside it. So as you as you start writing, it rotates, but the actual rotation happens uh, twice the distance that it ha- was previously. Does that make sense so far? Yep. So that's the change in the engine. And then on top of that, it's got the pipe slide, which we had seen previously, which basically that means that as the lead wears down, the pipe slides up the, the lead. So you never get too much lead exposed at any one time, which means that it is way, 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 way harder to break the lead. Um, so there's, there's way less lead snapping because what you can do on a, on a Kuratoga uh, roulette you can just like press um press the 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 knock like probably three times is enough to make some lead that is too uh too large to use really because as soon as you start mm-hmm. put applying pressure to it it snaps off you can't do that on this because as you uh apply the knock and the lead comes out it only pushes a small amount out but but you can just keep writing so it's those two things together that make it impressive so it's not only rotating the lead faster but it's also uh protecting the lead as you use it yeah and the benefits of it rotating that lead actually faster is i realized that when writing lines with it using a ruler you don't end up with those flat sides which the roulette tries to stop natural writing however trying to write uh, if, if you're using a ruler and drawing lines with a roulette it does. It does. It does still, still happen. It, yeah. It yeah. Does. However, the, the, it didn't with this. So the real thing here is the fact that this was specifically designed for the Japanese market. This is what it was originally designed for. So the ideal situation for this kind of engine inside the pencil 
is for when you are drawing Japanese characters. So you are drawing lots of short lines. So you're drawing a line and then you're lifting the pencil, then you're drawing the next line and then you're lifting a pencil. The the kind of opposite end of that is where we write in cursive or joined up handwriting and we are writing uh, for a long time without lifting the the pencil and it's the lifting of the pencil that rotates the lead so when you draw a long line with a ruler or you draw a long um sentence or something with a uh, with cursive writing it is keeping it on that edge for longer which kind of which wears down that edge first and then when it rotates you you've got this kind of this um this edge off to one side and by increasing the rotation it makes that less noticeable but it's still there it's still there i mean it's always going to be there that's that's just the way that it works it it works by rotating as you lift it yeah um but because it's rotating further it's is a lot more difficult to get that get it to the point of being way too worn down on one side to be useful writing this with this thing in terms of the the action that it's performing was was much better than the roulette however but you don't uh, like the barrel I yeah I, I don't like the general feel of it. I mean even at the top with the cap, the cap was very uh tacky kind of feeling. Uh it was really hard to get off compared to the roulette. And also when when putting it back on, I kind of I don't know if it'll do it right now, but you kind of I don't know if you could hear that, but you have to really really push it down to the point where it kind of feels like it's it's going to break. Interesting. Uh, I didn't, that's why I didn't like that. My overall feel about this pen is the technology and inside it is great. Mm-hmm. I love the fact that it's it's you know obviously turning faster and the pipe slide is 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 helpful. However, I'm kind of ruined by the feel, weight, and quality of the roulette, where I probably won't switch to using this. Until it comes to one, the metal end, like uh, the metal kind of feel that the roulette has, as well as, as, as I want it to be as thin as the roulette. Yeah. So basically, you want this engine and this pipe slide in a roulette. Yeah. Exactly yeah. that. Me too. I want the same, but I'm 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 giving this one a go for a while now. Um. So for at least a few weeks, this is going to be the primary uh, pencil I use. I'm going to continue to use my uh, Jetstream in my Hobonichi, but um, for my field notes and uh, all those kind of things, I'm going to be mm-hmm. using this this one. I will put my normal B-Lead in this and try it out for a little bit more just to see if that is, is going to affect anything, because I'm sure it will. Yeah, I, I put the B-Lead in mine uh, quite soon afterwards. I tried HB for a, a very small amount of time, but I, I just like my B-Leads. So I swapped I swapped for a B. So I'm currently rocking a uh, the Kuratoga B leads in here. Mm-hmm. But the general general feel about this is that it needs to be the same size and feel of the roulette for me. Yeah, and you know what I said, and I know we didn't talk about it um, on a on a podcast then, but I said exactly the same thing to you guys when the pipe slide came out. I was like, yeah, I love I love the fact that it's got this new pipe. Because this was before they had the new engine as well, but um, I only used it for a small amount of time because I wanted to have that 
you know, high grade or roulette style body with that engine. Uh, sorry, with that pipe slide. So it's it's basically the same thing. They they have yet to do a high end Kuratoga yep. with any of these new technologies. The, the the technologies that are in the high end Kuratogas now, in terms of uh, body design, are um, is the original Kuratoga technology. It hasn't changed. Whereas we've seen basically two steps of improvement since then on the plastic uh, designs. I've not had enough time really to 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 use any of my notebooks. I tend to use pencil in, right? Because I, I, I'm very clear-cut, as I said. You know, I'll use pen only for the majority of my things. So I want to be able to like really dedicate a little bit of time to it um, and evaluate it. But at the same time, I'm still a little bit like, ah, it's, it's not as heavy as roulette yeah especially considering you just got two new roulettes <laughs> yeah so um I'll, I'll see it might be something that we come back to at some point but yeah it does definitely give it that that kind of negative feeling to start with for me well you know i i, I what i was going to say earlier is that if you look at um you know mechanical pencils like think about the cheapest mechanical pencil you'll get and there's a i remember when i was at school uh, you had these really, really thin ones um, that were just, you know, maybe a pound if that or 50p. They are super light and mechanical pencils, I don't think, are meant to be heavy. Um, yeah, so drafting I, drafting pencils also usually ha- tend to have more weight to them. So uh, mechanical pencils specifically designed for drafting are... But then there is that wide, wide range. And, you know, my, my father likes to use ones when he does his puzzles and his newspaper and stuff. He uses the the cheapest, plasticiest ones that there are. And they're, they're the ones that have that horrible spring inside and you rotate them and, and they kind of propel the lead out because that's perfect for what he needs. It's, you know, really, really lightweight. He doesn't want anything fancy. That's that's perfect. Uh, all the way up to some of these uh, rotating ones, which are really expensive, really fancy, heavy weighted, specifically designed for people who are like architects. And they have multiple ones of these all available, all with different size leads. Um, and they are like a system. They're like a drafting system that uses these. So there is a massive, massive range. And as far as the Kuratoga uh, the the version that we're using here and the standard Kuratoga is concerned, it is really nice for the average person. It is a really, really nice mechanical pencil. It's one of the best available um, to them. It's just the fact that we've been spoiled a little mm-hmm. bit by something that's close to that drafting pencil quality with the roulette. It's certainly more technical, uh, you know, with the knurling on it and everything else and the design. Um and I think we've been spoiled by that and we're looking at this kind of high end and not really seeing it in this particular uh, pencil. But it, but it is still a very good, a very good pencil uh, compared to what other people are using. I mean, just looking at the road drink site, um, you know, 60 pounds for what looks like a sick pencil. Yeah, no, yeah. they're beautiful. They, they are beautiful. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, you, if you use one of those, you think it's an absolute dream to hold and everything else. But mm. as you start writing on it, you'd think, well, I wish I had a Kuratoga engine in it. Yeah. Do they have anything that just does something to, similar to that? I don't think so. They're, um, the lead, 
that they do for the two millimeter lead for lead holders, which I had for a while. Uh, I tried that, and that was just absolutely horrible. What two millimeter like in what in the lead holder? Yeah, I used the Rotring two millimeter uh. B lead before because I couldn't get hold of some uni lead, and I was like, oh, I'll give it a go. You know, it can't be that bad. They're pretty, you know, well represented brand, and uh, it it wasn't great. So just a tip: yeah, don't I, buy that I, lead. I, <laughs> I guess it depends what you want it for. I mean, I guess if it was that bad, it, it, you know, they would probably change it. I guess we're used to all the uni stuff. I mean, just as a it's kind of going off topic slightly, just on the homepage of the the Rotring site, um, there's a field notes uh, notebook just on on the site. That's good to know. Jules, what uh, field notes are you using right now? Good question. Uh, I am currently using a uh, workshop companion. Uh, the gardening which is number three of a set of six um, which has some fantastic information about gardening which is not something that i uh that i actually do and the um the other one that i'm currently using is a red-blooded um which uh which is a standard kind of um it was it was a standard uh, edition before the um, pitch black came out, so it's quite a, quite a quite a while ago that they actually did this as a standard edition. But um, yeah, those are the two that I'm using at the moment. That red blooded edition, they're so so nice. I've got I've got a pack of three here, and I just I'm gonna have to use them because obviously you know you want to use them, but at the same time, I just don't want to ruin them because they're so. They so are very nice, gorgeous. and and these are some of the, the some of my favourite kinds of field notes because they have pretty much um, for the red blood in particular is pretty much a standard issue field notes. There's nothing too special about it. Mm-hmm. It's got um, pretty pretty standard paper inside. It's got blue lines rather than the kind of packing uh, brown lines that they tend to have by default. But they've they've got quite a few additions that have this kind of blue uh, lines inside. It's a, it's a grid inside. It's a standard kind of weight to the card on the outside so all in all it's a pretty much standard kind of feel but this one has a debossed logo on the front with a little bit of varnish inside it which gives it a really kind of nice really kind of subtle but nice look on on the front and it's a it's a good color as well it is very red it's a it's not crazy bright or anything like that it's a nice deep Mm. red on the topic of non-standard field notes i'm using a nixon right now are you? Yeah, which I, one? Um, is it one of the photos? It is one of the photos, one of the later ones. Yeah, uh, I, it's on a beach, which yep, doesn't really narrow them down that much. I think. Uh, uh, is it the is it the orange one on the beach? It is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, however, I'm on the last page, so pretty much after this recording, I'm going to have to pick a new one, which will be interesting. It's That's always, always exciting. Yeah, you could just look at my shelf, and I'm like, which one next? Which is there's there's so many to choose from. Um, but this one is this one is you know uh, no line no grid paper it's just completely empty. Oh, so blank. Yeah, blank one. Blank. Yeah, I, I quite like using the blank ones occasionally. Um, yeah, although I sometimes try and bring structure to them, so I'm, I'm I think I'm a bit better off using uh, a grid or a lined one, or even better, a reticle grid one. Yeah, I like the reticle grids. I like mm. the dot grids as well. Yeah, um, Jordan, yeah. are you using your field notes right now? Yeah, I um, I was at a meeting 
Um, on Thursday, and I had the purple and green unexposed. Uh, nice. Pur- purple cover, and then I had the last page, literally the very last back page was the only page I had left. And I managed to use that. I got back to the office, so I was like, in my little pouch, I was like, is there, is there another field notes in here? I feel like usually there's another one in here if I'm this close to the end. And there was, and it's the one that the, the, the new pitch black that Jules gave me. Oh, yeah? With the With the corners that are not... Correct. <laughs> Those corners are not particularly well rounded on that particular no, it, one. It looks square. Mm. So this is the the basically the second type of pitch black design. It it now has a duplex card rather than the standard black card that it had previously. So it's a little bit it's tiny, a little bit thicker. It also has a new logo on the back, which is like a, which I think they're using specifically on the pit, pitch black range. I have currently five field notes in my pouch. <laughs> that I carry with me every day. Five, yeah. So I've got. Are they all full or? Yeah, um, apart from one. Apart from one. So actually, no, two. No, 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 they're all full. So basically, I have in the order of how I pulled them out the one that I used last, which was the purple and exposed. Um, Very good addition. I like the unexposed ones. Yeah, beautiful. One of your favourites, I think, Jordan. Yeah, it it is. It's just the grid and the the feeling of the paper. It's just beautiful. Uh, I've got a snow blind, which has been full um, since March 2016. Um, I've got a sweet tooth, a yellow sweet tooth. That that is not full. I just use that for scrap. Nice. Um, Understandable. And then have the, the Portland... So uh, that's yeah. full. They're cool. Uh, and then I've got this new pitch black, uh, which feels really thick, you know, because it's got this new double, like yeah. about bonded card cover. So it feels much different to the, the other ones. Um, having had this conversation right now, I think I'm probably going to have a vetting session. I don't think I need this snow blind in anymore. I just love the look of it. It's they are lovely. Yeah, they're it's gorgeous. Beautiful. Anyway, yeah, well, that's going to go in. And then obviously I've got my Hobonichi. Uh, field note size uh, weekly planner, which is really unfortunate that I haven't actually properly used it um, in 2017 yet. Um, so it's pretty much blank. You know, you know what, Jordan? What you've just swayed me, and now I'm going to use a snow blind for my next one. Ooh! Because I've just I'm just looking up, and I haven't used one since around last summer. So it's about time. Yeah. They are beautiful books. That's I think so the reason nice. I'm carrying, that's the reason I'm carrying it around is because when I pull it out, I just feel happy. So it's just like a little pick-me-up during the day. If I'm feeling down, I'll go to my notebook and be like, oh, look at the snow blind. Um, it is quite dirty, actually, now. They, could, they do get they, they do They do get dirty. But just um, just for anyone who doesn't already know, the snow blinds change color in daylight. So they are nice and white by default when you're using them indoors. And then as soon as you put it into light, it goes blue. And um, that's that's why it's a fantastic one to use in the summer. I know it's called Snowblind and it was a winter edition, but um, the more opportunity to use it in the sunshine, the better because it changes color. It's a really nice effect. Yeah, I mean they're they're kind of uh, when they were released, the, the shots of them were, you know, uh, in places where the sun shines and the snow falls at the same time. However, yes. in the UK, that is not the case. So no, in summer, we just you had get cloud. the best experience. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, uh, so yeah, that's me, Wade. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's just a, a, a 
I just yeah. realized actually I am using one other field notes, Andrew. I forgot to mention. You're I'm, using I'm, I'm using a, a larger a bigger one. one well, yeah. 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 I thought I'd try that for something something new. Um I'm I'm using it for a lot of kind of uh, user experience sketching and some designs uh for some software designs and it is a, a one of the larger um uh pitch blacks and in fact this is actually the first large one that i have uh, used because i actually started my subscription to the field notes colors uh just after arts and sciences came out which were the the first ones to have this larger size um there were also uh there's also been a number of starbucks editions that have been in this larger size some some quite good looking um but this is going to be a standard edition these these pitch black field notes are a standard edition um from uh from the field notes brand so this these this one is going to be one that i'm going to be able to get um multiple ones of if i like it the problem with this one is it does not fit into my hobonichi cover the way that the uh, standard field notes do um but i have been enjoying using it you know and i treat it in the same way that i treat any other field notes so i don't mind folding it over I don't mind using whatever ink I want in it. I don't mind putting, um, you know, post-its in it. It it doesn't matter if it's to be used. So I don't mind too much about what I do with it. So I don't mind just chucking it in a bag. And so far it's held up pretty well. Yeah, I I actually just looking up at my um, shelf when I was looking at the Snowblind, I realized I did have that that, and I did want to use one. And you have used it for something that kind of, for me gives me the excuse of using the larger size size the you know the sketching uh, on that kind of scale and doing those kind of things kind of makes sense to have that size um so i i might i might have to join you on that scene as you know we are working on similar things in this case it feels like it's a good size for for its own project you know yeah, i'm, I'm exactly. using i'm i'm using those two other field notes at the moment for general notes on two different kind of areas of of life and um and so they're just kind of general anything goes notebooks in those two kind of areas. Whereas this is like a, a like a mini project type notebook. It's it's all about that particular thing. So uh, when I'm working on that, I have this notebook out. Yeah, and I feel I feel quite comfortable having this larger notebook as a project thing that looks like a long running project that I will be using maybe not every day, but at least once a week for you know the foreseeable future. If you'd like to keep updated with the Mavis Podcast, our Twitter handle is at Mavis Podcast, and you can also find us at MavisPodcast.com. We're on iTunes under Mavis, and we'd really appreciate your reviews. And of course, feel free to tweet us any questions. Thanks for listening to the Mavis Podcast. Now, Jules, you like to be productive, don't you? I do like to be productive. Yeah. And Jordan? Yeah, yeah, I try. Yeah, you try. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's always it's always a struggle, surely. Yeah, I mean, procrastination is something that is... It's like the devil on your shoulder, isn't it? And then you've got productivity as the angel on your shoulder. The thing is, I, I actually personally prefer not doing nothing or procrastinating half the time. Like, I, I do like doing stuff and being active. But I think you can easily procrastinate by doing something else that's kind of useful um, or, you know, interesting. Like often I procrastinate by um, looking at images of user experiences or something because I find that interesting. 
you know, so I'll just, I'll spend an hour just downloading images thinking, yeah, that looks great when really I should be actually be working on making a user experience or something, you know, so I, that, there are different levels of procrastination. I can, I can, I can feel that. And we've all been down, you know, like the Wikipedia black hole or just the general internet black hole, um, which is, yeah. is it a black hole or something tunnel? What's the term? Rabbit hole. Rabbit hole. We got there eventually. Um, I mean, black hole would also work in this scenario. But personally, I, I, I mean, I try to make sure that when I'm doing something, it, it's like it takes priority that it's it's from my to do list, for example. Yeah, it's something that I have actually action to do before I do anything that is is not on that list. Yes, and that's an interesting thing there, Andrew. Because first of all, what you're what you're saying there is that you've actually got a to do list. You got a task Which list. I didn't have when we did the test run of this podcast. Wait, are we saw talking about something like to do list of you know your general day to day, or we're talking about to do list. Well, I think you know in terms of productivity, you know we we already have to do lists, task lists, various things that are managing all these tasks that we have to do, and you know obviously we do this as part of our professional life. We do this as part of our personal life as well. But we're already beating a lot of people who just live their life without that kind of thing. Um, and I'm not necessarily saying that one is better than the other, um, but um, I think plenty of people out there, in terms of productivity, um, they don't have all these kinds of different things that they need to manage themselves, which we need to do as you know, kind of modern information workers. If you think back to the past, um, productivity was turning up at work and turning a lever or moving some some stock from one room to another or plowing a field. Um, for us these days, it's very different. So we use these things like a to-do list. And, and already, Andrew, by mentioning the fact that you want to do things off your to-do list, that's something that for a lot of people out there, that's already into the work, this world of productivity that uh, a lot of people aren't in. Yeah, and I think I think as you say, it feels like productivity is not. It's relative to the, and it's almost subjective because someone who does not have as many things to do, whether it be you know whether it be work or personal life, they don't necessarily need to organize it in in. Uh, like a natural to-do list like for instance we might use wonderlist and now microsoft to do but some people just have um that like an internal structure an internal plan and that's what they do some people don't plan and just take it as it comes um but i think that purely depends on how much work and or how much stuff that you do day to day because you've only got a finite capacity to actually remember stuff and then you've even got from from there there's a even more finite capacity to actually order that and remember when to do it right i think it's really it's it's interesting because i value my to-do list what was wonderlist and now is to do and there's some features in that that are just brilliant that have made it so much easier to to reason about my day and also my calendar for retrospective analysis of my productive productivity because this is these are the things that i did last week and actually i was in meetings for the majority of my week which meant that my productivity on my other tasks was lower you know and it's almost like reasoning about how you structure it and that's kind of adaptive productivity i guess as you know looking back at something and adjusting the way you do things week in week out yeah absolutely 
what I wanted to talk about today was uh, three things that we do to be productive. And we've already started with, with this one. And basically, I put this under the schedule, structure, and be aware section. And the, the various forms of this that I've got under this is to-do lists, notebooks, slash journals, and calendars. And this is so this is uh, a huge part for me. And obviously, we're already talking about it. And it's a huge part for all of us. Um, is, is just being aware of what you've got to do on specific days and keeping those things up to date so that when you are in the, you know, in the mind of getting some things done, you you just do it and you, you already have it there, you know what you're doing. And if you complete that list, then, you know, whatever time afterwards is yours or it's it's not if you're working for someone else. But uh, so that's that's kind of a huge thing for me. Uh, calendars, obviously, being aware what what I'm doing in terms of do I have any meetings or that kind of thing and to do lists in terms of actions and then notebooks as well kind of similar to to calendars that I kind of cross over on both fronts as well in fact in to do list because sometimes I might put a list in a notebook or um you know my my journal also has basically my entire calendar in it and you guys I imagine will do something similar to this my outlook calendar is my i tried the like i said earlier i, I tried the weekly calendar uh, or weekly planner journal it worked really well but and then as my days got busier and um, most of my meetings were kind of invites and lots of kind of email threads it just made more sense to kind of use my outlook calendar for everything and the way that the way that i think about it is um external systems um i've uh been uh kind of had my own little setup my own system for quite a few years now uh, the way that i like to do things like many people uh around my age you know professionals who work as software developers or other kind of things um have probably heard of getting things done by david allen and yeah. you know that that is probably one of the first um in the in the world that kind of i grew up in on the internet that's like one of the first uh, books that comes up in conversation about these kinds of things and that talks about getting things into external systems um and while i've kind of modified that process over the years it's been it's it's like a it's a good starting point for all this stuff and it's a good foundation and one of the kind of key parts of that is being able to collect the things that you need to do, essentially being able to make a list of all the stuff that you have going on. And, and the kind of general idea is don't have it in your head, have it mm-hmm. in an external system or multiple systems. And for me, it is multiple systems. Um, you know, the, there is no one app or one notebook that does this. So what we're really talking about is things like, you know, to-do lists, calendars, those kinds of things where we're saying, you know, we are storing either time-based stuff in a calendar or just general, please do this whenever you can in a to-do list. Um, those kinds of things are fundamental to you know, most productivity systems, I think. Jordan mentioned earlier that he uses Microsoft To-Do as well as Outlook. I just wanted to mention that I use Todoist for my to-do list and currently Fantastical 2 for my calendar. Uh, and then obviously, if you listen to the Mavis podcast episode 2, you'll know what we use for notebooking. And this, this uh, just coming back to the, the Getting Things Done book, uh, I actually own this book. However, I haven't read it. <laughs> um, but how I just wanted to say that uh, I do know the gist of it and I've heard a lot about it to the point where 
if if I was going, if obviously if I was going to employ some of these actions like a bit further, I would I would read this book. But I've I've kind of know some of the important parts from it, and then kind of use those without actually reading the book. Well, this is what I was about to ask. I have not read the book, and I feel like the, there's probably elements of it that we do because we've been around Jules so long that he's kind of rubbed off on us in a, in a really good way. But I was actually going to ask, <laughs> is it worth this thing, this book, reading it, listening to it on Audible? Like, is it one that you could listen to, or do you think it's one that you should read? Because there are certain books, like biographies, that you could listen to, right, or autobiographies or whatever. But something like this, do you think it's worth listening to it or reading it i don't i don't know if it's um i don't know if it's this book specifically or what has come after that but it it has uh, definitely some kind of heat around it some people really don't like some of the things in this uh and some people really do like it well i think david allen's um book in particular was actually it was written for for people like him Okay, so what you get is a couple of strange things in the um, in the terminology and some of the things that he says that you need to manually transpose onto your own life in order to get the benefit from. Now, I read this um, book back in probably 2004, 2005 ish. So um, and I read it. I read it multiple times over. Some parts of it, I, you know, at that time I was reading a lot of books uh, on similar kind of subjects and I was trying to kind of find a system for myself because I felt like the system that I had was not good enough. I just used Outlook to do at the time and I didn't really have, you know, a good system in place. But at the time that book was really kind of eye-opening because it, um, because it gave me a lot of these ideas. However, um, some of the stuff that he says is that fundamentally you need to have a physical inbox. I tried this. I don't feel like I actually need a physical inbox. I just, I just don't. What do you mean by physical inbox? He, what he means, what he suggests is you literally have a, you know, like those paper to do. Sorry, paper inboxes that people used to have in offices tend to have in offices, um, where it is like a tray, an A4 size tray. And you place objects in it that you need to do stuff with. That's it. Right. So it's a, it's a physical inbox. You've got a piece of paper that says, do this thing. And, and you put it in the inbox. And his suggestion is that if you think of a good, you know, an idea or something that you want to work on, you take, um, you know, a, a leaf of paper or something along those lines, you write it on it and you put it in your phys- physical to do, uh, sorry, physical inbox. This just doesn't. This just doesn't work for us. The, the concepts here are great, but that just does not scale for me because sometimes I work in, at home. Sometimes I'm working um, in an office. It just there's no way that I can have that physical inbox. However, I do have physical spaces that 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 I find to be more productive. And those kinds of things that he talks about, you kind of have to take on board, understand, and then find a way of kind of shifting that onto your view of the world. And I think that it gets a bit of a bad rep because people look at it and they go, well, actually, this doesn't make sense to me. I mean, some of the other things are like when he gives suggestions as to the kinds of things that you may need to put in your to-do list, like he's got these various um, lists to help jog your memory. And it's all stuff like 
you know, re- remember to renew your golf subscription. And it, it's just like his, his world is a different world, right? You know, um, you know, have a chat with the lawyer about this, that, and the other, and, you know, arrange, arrange for the, for, to, to view the property that I own. And it's, it's just, um, he, his world is different to our world and he has written about his world and that's okay. That's okay. And his, you know, those fundamental things are useful, but you've got to switch onto your own, thing so if you wanted to read it that's fine but you've got to keep in mind that if you look at it in today's world it's not quite right and he has done an updated version which was released in i think uh, 2015 yeah that's right which is which is slightly sorts out some of this well i was i was that's what i was saying you know it, it was first published you know almost 20 years ago you know to, well 2001 so 16 17 years ago um which is fine and i think you should Something that I've kind of learned over the years is I used to try to read a book, right? And be like, right, this is how to do something, whether it's programming or, um, you know, whatever that, that's kind of like, this is how to do something or this is, you know, my life and how I was successful. And I think reading Code Complete 2. Love that book. Because it was so big, you kind of have to jump into it, right? And use it as more of a reference and yeah, say, well, this is do. how someone thinks about something and can I apply this thought process to what I'm doing and having... It's like a, it's like a reference, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's the kind of turning point for me in books and, and, and looking at how people, even blog posts, right? Like I remember reading a blog post on how Craig's, Craigslist uh, Craigslist um, moved all their archives to MongoDB, right? And all the problems they had. And, you know, we were facing similar problems at work at the time. And it was like, okay, well, this does not fit exactly what we need, but there are three or four elements in here that if we're aware of the methodology that they, they, they use, then we will be able to successfully deploy something along some like a similar architecture, right? Yeah. And that worked. And I want to do something similar with the, something like this book, right? I, I don't want to write, read it come, like, end to end and just be like, yeah, that was good and not take anything from it. So, uh, which is why I ask if listening to it is, is a good idea or not, because I don't know actually, because the audiobook is uh, notoriously um, dull. All right. Uh, I accidentally have a physical inbox because it's actually just places I put things that need to be organized. Yes. Uh, However, I haven't organized them yet. Yeah, phys- physical organization is important, definitely. But it was that it was that whole idea of having a physical inbox that you need to write ideas down and put into that that didn't scale for me. I, and I did try this. I've got um, I've got a lot of uh, I d- I tend to take a lot of photographs <laughs> of things like desks, my own desk, uh, at various points in my life, and I can actually look back at some of the older we ones from. Yeah, I know. Um, I can look back at some of the older ones, and I can see that I I literally have a physical inbox. But what I found is that those physical inboxes would have things like a magazine, like New Scientist or Edge or something like that, in them, and they just it just ended up being a magazine holder, and it wasn't really the 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 point. You know, the, the whole point was that you would put something in it, pull it out and do it. And it's like, I, I never did just pull these magazines out and do it. So it ended up just becoming a, uh, a place to store. Yeah, a place to store things, which wasn't which wasn't right for me. It just didn't work. So, you know, I do this. I do that kind of stuff digitally instead. Um, and, you know, Wonderlist was one of the I, I used uh, Outlook to do list for a long time. I used Wonderlist for a long time and I'm currently using Microsoft to do for to do lists 
I'm using um, multiple Outlook calendars um, for you know time time related stuff. But but I don't have an actual physical inbox. I do have um, obviously my notebook itself is uh, I can put stuff in it, and I have loose paper uh, in that, and then I have um, a couple of other kind of. Uh, you know, organization, external organization system. So um, I've got a large A4 size Filofax, which uh, a, a kind of case, which has a number of papers in it. Um, and then I've got a smaller one, which is for kind of like bank stuff and things like that. So I do have other other ways of physically organizing stuff, but I just don't have that physical inbox. I just realized that I actually have two because what happens is uh, the one in my office, I actually put there because I needed somewhere to just put things that I know I need to categorize. However, the amount that I categorize them is is ridiculously low. And then I realized that I bought a new bin for my garden and it's been sat, it's like a tiny, like small, like steel kind of bin. Um, and it's been sat on my kitchen table, completely clean, uh, just holding letters that I need to put into this one to then organize, which is really bad. All right. <laughs> my main my main problem with uh the idea of having a physical um inbox is the fact that I often add things for varying different dates, right? And when I go to my to-do list, I don't look at the entire list as like this one chunk. I look at today. Yeah. And and that's all I care about. Anything in the future I don't care about. I have, I don't want to go there and then have to sift through what I'm doing for you know the the next couple of days and filter those out and then just look at what I've got for today. I just want to see it. And then the fact that these aspects can be transposed to, to you know, virtual on or slash online um, instances is, is great. Yeah. And that's, and that's the, um, and that's the easier way of doing it these days. The, the way that you would do that physically is that you would have a system like a tickler system that would use 43 folders to organize the stuff that you have. So you basically every month you'd rearrange it so that you would have um, a folder per day in that month as it comes up. Um, and then you would have folders for the rest of the months into the distance, into the future. And you would basically move those items from the when, when a new month starts, you basically move those items into those folders as, as they came around. So there were ways of doing this. Does this have anything to do with the 43 Folders podcast between Merlin Mann and Dan Benjamin? That's what 43 Folders is, yeah. yeah right. That's what it is. Okay, I'll put a link in the show notes for that. Um, yeah. I haven't actually listened to it, but I'm sure there'll be some information about what you're talking about here. Yeah, um, and you know, I'm sure a lot of people find that kind of thing um, useful. Uh, and you know, different people use different systems, and this is one of the most interesting things. There are a ton of books out there. You know, Jordan asked if... Uh, if it's worth reading, getting things done like today. Yeah, I think it's always worth looking at these things. But also I think there are probably other systems out there that have taken their inspiration from getting things done and kind of written it in a, in a new way for a new audience. And I think maybe something like that may be more relevant today. I wouldn't necessarily be able to point at one, but I'm sure there are ones out there. I mean, I've read a lot. I've read a lot of books. I don't necessarily know what would be perfect for Jordan. I think uh, the one of the biggest things about, um, as Jordan was actually kind of talking about earlier, one of the biggest things about using all of these systems and stuff like that, and it's kind of making it your own. And you might try some things, and they might not work, but you kind of work on them, and then eventually you end up with something that works for you. Yeah. Um, maybe using the one of these books as a reference is a good idea. 
However, most of my stuff I've kind of uh, taken some leads from, you know, podcasts and like you and uh, Jordan. So, but kind of made the made the, the rest of it myself, which might be beneficial for trying that out. Yeah. So basically, what we're saying is, for all of us, one of the t- one of the top things is having an external system. Yes, because our brains are useless. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, completely agreed. Having an external system or multiple systems is probably one of the three key things that we're gonna we're gonna mention. I think once you once you realize how useless kind of your brain is at long term memory and keeping track of all this stuff is, uh, you 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 know you kind of rely on these systems, and then you kind of realize that you really need to use one if you actually want to be productive and do a load of things. Yeah, I and I think we'll rather than getting into this topic now, this is one for the time, but realistically for productivity to move in the right direction for me, I need all my things in like synced and a very smart piece of tech controlling it all, i.e. some form of artificial intelligence, like a personal assistant, mm-hmm. like a Jarvis, <laughs> like your Friday, right? That you can wake up in the morning and it goes, right, these are all the things that you need to get on with. And you know what? I reckon two of them probably aren't worth doing right now. Okay, great. Thanks. I don't have to think about reasoning about my to-do list yeah. in terms of priorities. I want this. I want that too. I think that would be lovely. But that wouldn't that wouldn't help you with the other parts of productivity. Um, now, one of them that kind of the the one of the ones that I want to talk to is getting actually into uh, focus, like actually getting into the zone, actually getting you know you sat down, you know what you need to do, especially for us, uh, you know, writing software in particular. It's getting into the zone, getting into focus, the flow, whatever you want to call it. Um, I'd be interested because, you know, obviously with a with an AI, it can certainly help you with all that external system. But getting into focus, yes, there are various ways to get into that. And I'll we can kind of chat about what techniques we use to, to do that. But that's you. That's in your head. And, um, you know, having an AI for an external system or having very clever software won't help if you don't do if you don't actually get into the zone actually get focus and do the thing that you say that you're going to do that you that you've said that you want to do in a to-do list or that you've committed to others that you want to do um this one is also really hard i think i think it's safe to say and procrastination kind of kicks in here too yeah um, i think do, do you guys have various techniques that you use i think it's music is probably a big one yeah um this kind of relates to the other one of the other items i've got on my list and it's it's more about the structure of my day um so just on a bit of a related side topic i guess is so that's this is more about having a rhythm isn't it um than 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 actually focusing on the doing yes so to ensure that i do uh, or can get in the zone when when i need to i actually have a pre kind of strict morning for example with myself um for example I, you know i i wake up at 6 a.m i go out for my walk with my dog um which actually started because i knew i was going to be working from home at that time and he was a pup and he would if he wasn't tired he'd be bugging me all day so i realized that if um if i didn't walk him and tire him out uh, or did it later that means that he, he would try and play with me you know through the day and that didn't help so i actually started walking him in the morning 
And what happened over time was, um, one that was great for me in terms of health, as well as this kind of structured my morning so that I have these things I need to get done in the morning before my day even starts. I mean, I consider, I think I, I mentioned before that I consider my day to have four parts to it instead of three, you know, start of the morning, morning, afternoon, and evening. Whereas most people consider themselves just to have three parts. And the start of the morning for me is is a huge part of my life, a day, sorry, working day where I kind of get these things done that I need to get done. And I, you know, the walk really helps. And then when it comes to getting into the office after you know, preparing for, you know, shower and food and all that kind of stuff. Um, I can just get straight into it because I've done everything I need to do. And that really does help me. And, you you, you know, you kind of go through the typical stuff of um, catching up on any emails that you might need to do or some various networks or tasks. And then I guess it's then you're free and you can just kind of put your headphones in and Let's put some music on. Some music, like you mentioned earlier, was a big one for me, as well as kind of full screen apps. Full screen apps uh, apps helps me get in the zone. Yeah, and so so you know, from my point of view, the the kind of the three things that um, if I was to only pick three, which is what we're doing here, um, is uh, having external systems, having a rhythm, and then uh, getting actually into focus and actually doing the stuff. So I've ruined your other point. Uh, no no but they are that's the whole point right they are three parts of the same thing they all kind of join together and um that kind of that rhythm for me is is you know different to you certainly Mm -hmm. i mean i am most certainly a kind of creature of habit i like to get up at the same time and arrive where i'm gonna be at the same time and everything else um but i have that similar kind of thing which is this this rhythm of you know planning stuff um uh, doing stuff reviewing what i'm what i've done um which is kind of littered throughout my um through my week and then i have so i have basically uh, like a daily rhythm a weekly rhythm uh, a monthly rhythm to a less degree and then i have um kind of like an overall structure across the year where i have a number of reviews that happen throughout the year um, so yeah, there's there's definitely that that rhythm part of it, that that habits, that structure, is definitely part of it. Now I find personally that that rhythm helps me get to a position where it feeds into the other parts. Right, I know what I want to do. I've got my kind of vision. I've worked out my outcomes. I've kind of reflected on what I've done, and that kind of goes back into the external system. Mm-hmm. But it's not doing. It's not the actual doing. It's not the actual focus and actually getting on with the thing, doing the thing. Right. Yeah. And um, that's the that's the kind of part that. Um, and I think even with the rhythm, like an AI can help with that. Like an external system can help with that. I mean, you've obviously you mentioned there what you do, but that that structure is is relatively easy to understand, and you could have. Um, that structure in a calendar or some other external system that, that is reminding you and saying, hey, you should be doing this right now. Hey, you haven't done enough of your work. Hey, you know, you need to, whatever it is that you need to do to make sure that that rhythm is done. But it's still that kind of, you know, to me, that third part, which is the getting in, you mentioned there, full screen apps and removing of distractions and everything else, that that getting into the zone and getting things done, getting the actual doing done 
is the part that I think is probably one of the most tricky bits. And um, it's, you know, external tools and having a rhythm and everything else doesn't, doesn't always help with that, that, that final bit. That, that bit is tough. Um, and that bit takes a lot of uh, mental discipline, um, which, you know, I find fascinating as well. You know, I love these external systems. I love this productivity, but then I also love like the, the cognitive behavior behind it, the, um, the psychological aspects, um, all that kind of stuff. It all kind of feeds into this one system for me. Um, I think it's really interesting. Just on the, on the topic of the, the rhythm, there are negative points of having that rhythm because now I don't feel as though I can have a good day really without having that in the morning. And I'm prepared to, to make the changes to in in terms of timings or anything to to make sure I do get that start to my day because I, I do believe it is very valuable to me. For example, yeah. uh, on Wednesday I had a meeting down south and uh, we are in the north and because of that i had to get up at 4am and um what the dog yeah and do do everything i usually do in the morning which i haven't listed completely and do that at 4am instead of 6am meaning so that i was ready for around 6 and could go down for a morning meeting in the south mm-hmm. so you know you you've got to be prepared to make those those kind of changes or yeah. those those adjustments but it comes back to being schedule, uh, you know, having that schedule and being structured and being aware because I was aware of that. So the night before I went to bed earlier, for example. Yeah. Um, in terms of coming back to the getting into your work, um, I think it's kind of different for us. Obviously, we still have those um, those times where it is hard to get into your work or, you know, you're getting distracted or the certain external factors like the heat for example which has really been annoying lately um kind of stopping you from focusing however the majority of the time i think us being in the jobs that we are we we really do care about the work we do so working is actually something that we we look forward to so getting into into the swing of things and into the zone is actually quite easy compared to what it could be for other jobs like if, if we were in a call center for example or some other job that wasn't our job we would i think we'd really struggle then yeah i think i think you could be right there the um it's that passion isn't it for for what you're doing anyway and i think that's that is a factor for a lot of people is that you know how to be productive if you're not passionate about what you do we're fortunate enough to be very passionate about what we do I mean, we, we would, we would sit and if we weren't, if we weren't working on something for, uh, you know, for our day jobs, we would then be sitting there and writing some code for ourselves, right? Yeah. I think, or exactly. we'd be reading, or be reading a book about it or an article about it, or we'd be drawing a diagram or thinking about something or, you know, those, because we have that passion for that part of the, that whole building of systems and software that um that interests us no matter what whether we were whether we were doing it for money or whether we were doing it for our own enjoyment i think we would do that anyway and and one thing that being a software engineer uh or a software developer or other similar jobs as well and kind of running your own company as well kind of teaches you is that there is never nothing to do there's always something to do there's always something to do the good part is that we are that passionate about it so we we do want to be doing the next thing every time we finished one i think 
ultimately it comes down to time and how you value your time, right? I don't think, I agree, software engineers do do this, and, and, but not all of them, and, and especially people who might run companies, is that your time is so valuable that if you, if you don't allocate and plan out when you can procrastinate and when you can chill out, you, that time sink becomes almost a, I don't want to say a waste of your life, but, you know, some people have these targets and goals and everything that you do, whether it's your morning to get into your day, whether it's planning out blocks of time to make food. So you've, you've got that plan. It's all down to the fact that you don't want to waste your time having to think about it and wasting valuable energy when you've got these goals you want to hit, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's re- realistic. The reason I do it, and I'm, and I'm, I, I, you know, I'm terrible at it compared to you guys, but I'm getting better. Um, it's because my sometimes your passion can override your productivity, right? Where you are so passionate about something that you have tunnel vision on it and you forget about the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. And and that's I'm guilty of that, you know. Um, and you could, what's the what's the minimum viable done element of your tasks so you can work out? Okay, I've done my task. How much more do I need to do? Like with software, you can go down that rabbit hole and say, well, I've done what I need to do with my task, and now I want to do more on this same task. But what's the benefit? And how much time does it take? And why am I spending three more hours doing something that realistically probably didn't didn't need to be done? And that's passion, right? The the thing that interests me here is, Jordan, you love and especially see the benefit in having a huge um, plan in your notebook for uh, a piece of software engineering, right? Yeah. But you don't see much of the benefit or don't employ, sorry, that benefit when it comes to other aspects. Of my life? Yes. Yeah. And that's down to the passion. Uh, element I think I get so caught up in solving a problem or designing something that solves a problem that when it comes to my own problems they're not really problems you know they're like okay I really could do with getting up half an hour early in the morning and sticking to that well why why don't you see them as problems I think it's not I don't see them as problems it's it's more this whole priority thing right I see Software I'm writing is a bigger priority than my own problem, right? Like I will, what what I should really do is come home and say, right, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to bed at like half, you know before half eleven or half eleven at latest every night to get up at seven seven thirty or whatever early. But what I find myself doing is I'm coming home and I'm writing code and I'm it's half eleven and I'm gonna be sat writing code. I'm like, ooh, just a little bit longer, you know. Just a little bit longer, yeah. But actually, that's a de- and then it, you know before you know it's two a.m. and you know you you kind of you're all burnt out and you kind of you know you might have done quite a bit of it, but actually you retrospectively look at that and go, well, if I'd gone to bed at half eleven and got up at seven, I probably would have been able to finish that code at my desk in the morning if I'd got to work half an hour earlier, and I probably would have done it faster because I was I wouldn't have been tired and I would have had time to sleep on it, right? And this comes back to to the whole structure thing so i i personally see the benefit in um having that structure so going to bed at 10 for me and getting up at six um 
means and I, I try to stick to that as best as I can because I know that if I don't one I'm gonna feel rough from a weird sleep pattern as well as the fact that I think the the structure I follow kind of aids the fact that I, I'm gonna I have less chance to burn out because I am following a structure that is you know balanced I guess you could say yeah and because of that I know that I do have time to get the things done that I need to get done but I'm not going to cause myself to kind of implode at the same time. But it, it's also like, I don't know. I don't know where the line is. Like, And I think I need to read a little bit more about this. But if you had a task to do and the deadline was, I don't know, the next day at, say, 7 o'clock at night, and you knew that it's going to take you an extra two hours in the evening, the night before, to do it, but it, it interferes with your plan, you you know your routine. What would you, is there a, is there a okay? I'm actually gonna I'm gonna not sacrifice it, but I'm gonna say okay, for the sake of this task that's really important, that's business critical or life critical, I am gonna stay and do this for two hours, or you know, and it's gonna affect the fact that I would want to have dinner between six thirty and seven as part of your plan. Instead, you would have to eat you know, around that two hours that you want to dedicate, or would you just go, no, I'm not, I'm, it's impossible to finish this because of my plan. Do, does that make sense? Yeah. So obviously I I don't have like a, a one rule for this one answer because varying on the task and varying on what the situation is, um, I, I can't say yes or no. Like I'd bin it or I'd and do probably it. Probably right? how you feel at that time as well. Yeah, exactly. And this becomes, like, again, I try and be structured or aware so that I don't get faced with that situation mm-hmm. as much as possible. Like, I, you got to try and limit those things flying in at you because as long as you're aware of them and you are prioritizing and planning and keeping up to date with things, if it's, you know, oh, it's seven o'clock at night and something gets landed on your, on your desk, for example, that shouldn't be the case. Um, yeah. So it, but in the but in the rare occasion that that would happen, again, no single answer. Um, I think having having um, a rhythm that's that's there by default gives you somewhere to go back to, and from get going back to the whole idea of getting things done again, they also have that kind of you know the idea of inbox zero and everything else. It it's so easy to fall off of. This is this is always the one of the kind of key points of getting things done, and it's the same here. Is that if things do go uh, against your plan or against the system that you you know the the goals, the things that you're saying that you want to do, that's okay as long as it's uh, as long as you can get back on it easily. Yeah. Um, and this is this is what um, this is this was one of the things that with getting things done. The idea is that no problem, you know, you, you, you've fallen off the wagon, as it were. What you need to do is you just need to do these parts to get back into it, which is, you know, collect all of the things that you need to do, organize them into a system, that uh, organize them into the kind of the, the priority, put them into your external system, and then carry on. You know, you, you just get back to normal and then carry on. And by having, a, you know, a rhythm, a system in place, it's always there and it's always kind of like, I know I need to go back to this. 
And when you think about like habit forming behavior, it doesn't take very long to get a new habit. If say, for example, Jordan, you did actually want to get up earlier and you really kind of, because uh, at the moment you don't really have the motivation for that and that's okay. That's fine. But if you did actually say, well, actually, you know what, I'm going to do it. Um, the way that you would do this is that you would try and do it every day. If you fail, that's okay because you just don't fail again. You just get back on it. And if you're trying to build a new habit, that's what you do. Once you've got a, a habit that's established, keeping it is just, that's just normal. That's just like breathing. It, that's just every day. So once you've got it, that's that's normal. And if you do need to, you need to be adaptive. You need to be able to come off these things because, you know, world, that's what happens. Um, but it's that being able to come back onto it is what makes you feel comfortable and kind of gives you that, um, you know, that security of having a system in place, having a rhythm in place is the fact that, you know, oh, it's going to be back to normal tomorrow. It's going to be back to my normal rhythm. I'm going to, I'm going to be able to continue the things that I normally do. It'll be okay. You know, it's that, it's that kind of thing. I completely agree with this. Like that is like spot on. Uh, I mean, the example is perfect here that um, Jordan, you mentioned that say that task was going to take two hours. Um, for example, the on Wednesday when I had to go down south for the day, I shifted my time by two hours and I was aware of that. But then the next day I went back to normal and it's, it's being aware that, you know, you do have to make a, a time shift, for example, and then the next day you go to bed later again or earlier again so that, you know, do whatever you need to do to get back onto that that kind of um, structure. Um, and obviously, as Jules was saying, life does get in the way and yeah. things do come up. Uh, but, you you know, if you really care about them or you need to do them, you, you make time for them. Yeah. And this is this is where... If you are thinking about how you actually, you know, what your key values are, and this is kind of going beyond just a, you know, a productivity system. And I think, you know, in getting things done, they do mention this as like a really higher level view. But you try and work out what your actual values are in life and you say, well, you know, what is, what are the things that I really kind of care about? And that's where you kind of think to yourself, well, actually, in, in off, often you kind of, value the outcomes more so than the kind of like the activities and things like that or or even the, the you know the you may have a value for the approach that you take over the quality of the results right so you may say well actually i just need to do this thing i need to get this thing done then you kind of you know value the outcome of having this thing completed but at the same time you kind of say well actually I need to have a proper approach to how I do this. And so you're kind of balancing these things in order to actually get to the to the result that you want. Um, at the end of the day, you know, you, you don't want to be, you know, seen as someone who is unable to deliver something or have something fail because you were unable to do whatever it is that you agreed to do. Uh, you know, sometimes we're in situations where we're doing stuff that we don't want to do. And I, I still find that hard. I got to admit, you know, if I think to myself, you know, damn, I should not be doing this. I, I do find it very, very difficult to get stuff done like that. But if it is something that you want to do, then, you know, it's easier. It's easier. It is easier. And you know that you can always get back to the, your standard kind of rhythm. Um, and I think, you know, if if you don't have some flexibility in it, then, you know, you're not really building um, 
a rhythm that is helping you and it's more it's more it's too rigid you got to you got to have some flexibility especially you know going back to to what we mentioned earlier we aren't going out and plowing a field or shifting boxes from one place to another we're information workers and often the tasks that we are meant to achieve tasks that we set ourselves i'm not necessarily saying that other people set them to us such as we set ourselves are often very very woolly and part of what we're doing is actually working out how to do them and finding ways of doing these things and you know software engineers in particular we're building things that don't exist we're, we're building systems and structures um you know so those those kind of things um yeah it's 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 a very kind of interesting thing where you, you got to be you got to be flexible on 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 what you do on the idea of having the plan and stuff my my final item in in the the kind of free i've got here is uh, a food plan and the reason is because uh, the reason i have this is because i uh, it turns out i'm terrible at uh, kind of <laughs> having a structure with food uh so just a bit of background when i moved out when i was 18 um i don't know how long it was but i basically lived off spaghetti bolognese for a long time uh, and lots of it um and if i wasn't doing if i wasn't having spaghetti bolognese most of the time i was eating like ad hoc which one was really bad for money uh and two really bad for weight um and I, i'm not saying i was like you know i i'd, I'd never got massive but I, I definitely had a bit of a, a chubby i guess going on <laughs> a bit of chub a bit of chub <laughs> and um when it came to to implementing a lot of these changes in my life, for example, when I got Jarvis, uh, my dog, um, one of the things I wanted was a food plan because I realized that if I just structure the way I eat uh, week to week, I can save money, eat healthier, and also be aware of what I'm eating. So one of the main things as well was um, I would come home from work and it would be, sometimes it would be six o'clock, sometimes it would be 10 o'clock, uh, and it would vary between those, uh, as you know, Jordan and Jules as well, in fact. Um, and because of that, I would be like, oh, I just need to eat before I go to bed because that's, that's how this works. I'm hungry. I need something to eat. So I would go to McDonald's, for example, and then I would feel really bad about that, but I would do it again and I would just feel really bad, which doesn't help your, your mental state. And also, again, the chub. So um, something I wanted to do was limit the amount of times where I was ad hoc eating down to essentially zero. Because then the being aware of what I'm eating um, and also saving money on it means that I'm not going to, to feel bad about what I'm eating. So this is um, this one's particularly interesting to me because... and. You know, you know, you guys know this about me. I find the kind of the psychology of this stuff to be uh, really interesting. And part of the thing here is the fact that you've actually found something that has given you a good level of control over the the structure and what you do and everything else. And it has probably given you, um, you know, the ability to uh, basically see that you can make this kind of change. And, you know, a lot yeah. of productivity um, when you, because I mean, I do think about it as this wider thing. It's not just about that doing, it's about the the planning and the reviewing and actually what goes into it. So 
you know, what are the values? What are the kind of the, the, the practices and the principles involved in actually, you know, doing stuff? Um, and, you know, be, be able to prove that you can make that kind of change has got to be super valuable to you. Like if you look at that now, you think, wow, I did that, right? You've done, you've, you've, you've really, really been like truly successful with that. And as you guys know, I haven't eaten McDonald's since August last year, <laughs> yeah. which, um, which, is quite it was, which is quite impressive considering, yeah, considering. The, yeah, absolutely. The, the people I have around me sometimes. What are you trying to say? What are you trying to say? <laughs> uh, I think what you might be able to do is you may be able to actually take, and it would be an interesting thing for you to do in the future, perhaps, is to be able to actually take that thinking and that success and distill it down. And I'm sorry, I'm using, I'm, uh, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, the neuro-linguistic programming side Lay it on of me. these things. I know, is to take that and say, okay, well, how, how did I get my success out of here? How did I do this? And being able to uh, apply that to other areas as well. Because you'd be able to look at it and go, okay, well, I did these things and I was successful. If I then say, for example, I don't know if you wanted to take up something else, um, you know, some other thing that you wanted to do, you would be able to apply the same kind of principles uh, to, to that, whatever it is. If it was learning a new language or, you know, I don't know, whatever, whatever it was that you wanted to do, something, something that you wanted to do and you felt like it was in the same way uh, going to help your productivity or help your your ability to create things or you know your excellence in general there are other benefits that i just wanted to mention about the the fact that i do this and uh one of them is time again coming back to to wanting to get things done and wanting uh, being a person who wants to work and wants to be active and benefiting uh whatever i'm currently doing right uh and benefiting that in some way is not wasting time uh, deciding what to eat and then defaulting to something bad because it's easy, um, and that which I would do a lot of the time now when I when I get in from work or whatever I I know what I'm eating that day, so I I, I go and cook it or uh, get it out the fridge for example if it's something that's already cooked or whatever, um, and it means that I'm not spending time messing about, you know, wondering what to eat. I can I can just do it and then I can crack on with with what I need to do. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention was a lot of people get kind of freaked out by the fact that I have a food plan. And they're like, why do you have that? And uh, they seem to think that because I have a food plan, I won't break from it. But it, it comes back to being aware that I'm happy to break for it. And for example, when I go out to eat in a restaurant, I'm going to get whatever the hell I like, and I'm not going to try and be reserved about it and like get something really healthy because I plan to have something healthy that day. Mm. Um, but it's being aware that you know that happens that's exactly that's life and uh and i want to still enjoy food um so i still do that so yeah the food plan for me is something that really benefits me and you can kind of apply that um thinking to to various different things and the way i did this wasn't very difficult at all and it's a simple it's, it's the way i do a lot of things when i'm trying to get things done is i sit down for not, I mean, it, it doesn't even take an hour to do a food plan. You just list the days, list the meals that you want to have, and they're pretty, like, unless you're Jules or other people, they're, you know, breakfast, lunch, and tea or dinner, depending on which way you say it. Um, and 
you just go, all right, for this day, I'm going to have this. And, oh, because I can cook enough of this to last two days, and I'll have it on that on this day as well, and then I filled those blocks in. And then you just fill in the blocks. And it comes to the point where when I'm doing my Tesco order, which I do on a Saturday like today, um, I just go online and I click the stuff I need because I know what I need. And you can have multiple of these and interchange between them so that you don't get bored, for example, and kind of change it over time. So it's not something that I find hard to do, and it's something so beneficial to me. I wonder if uh, we can get an AI that does this as well. (laughs) Everything. You just want it to be an AI. Oh, you know, I kind of do. Yeah, I I think think we will, uh, you know, we'll, we'll... probably have this as a subject for um <laughs> for another time but i think you know having that kind of ai that that's able to help with with these kind of things i think i find that quite attractive but just on that though i like the the, the time i spend putting these things together and you know creating this kind of structure and plan have you considered having or getting a remote assistant uh, I've heard about these kind of like. It's like a, a an assistant AI that is um... an actual person. Yeah, we're talking like an actual personal assistant, but it's remote. Yeah, like, like imagine you as a human, somewhere else in the world, doing all this stuff for you. That's a remote assistant. Mm. We'll consider it. I know. I know uh, certain people, um, not. Uh, like personally, but on the internet, for example, do use these and have kind of relationship with these people that do actually manage a lot of their life and they'd probably struggle to to get on with their work if they didn't have them now. Well, I think from my from my point of view, I have a lot of things that I um that I would be interested in doing. Um I've got a lot of topics that I'm interested in. And what I I don't really need, what I would like is something that is a bit more proactive in helping me do the things that I actually say that I already want to do. So an AI that is actually helping me to make the best decisions at a particular time, because I, I happen to know for a fact I get decision fatigue. You know, I make too many decisions um, after a day of work. Then, then you know, this comes back to the thing that you mentioned, Andrew, to do with your food plan. It's like bad food by default or something like that. But it's like that with everything. Is And, you know, being able to, having something that to help make the, the right decisions at the right time would be extremely useful. And this goes beyond having a to-do list or a, or a task list or a calendar or something like that. It's something that knows the kind of values and the things that you're interested in. And then actually being able to kind of nudge you along the right direction. I would love something like that. And I think it would help with my productivity and, you know, self-improvement in general. And I'd, you know, I, 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 t- I already spend quite a bit of time on this stuff anyway. But I just think that having that kind of AI would be extremely useful. And quite frankly, I think I would not want to share that with a remote assistant. I mean... Maybe I would, maybe I would in, maybe I would, but um, I think there's something more appealing 
Um, and, you know, maybe in the future we'll look at this when the AIs take over and they'll see this as, a, as being me being horrible. But quite frankly, it's better to have something that I could teach all this stuff to and then potentially delete. But the the interesting, well, this is the thing. The interesting thing about this is like these remote assistants, they they do, you do have to train them like you would train oh, an yeah, AI yeah. into your kind of workflows, right? And you can't, you can't delete, delete them. them. Yeah. Now, when it comes to to just changing part of your workflow, and if it was an AI, would you, depending on what it is, obviously you delete it because you wouldn't want any conflicting results with the old versus the new, or obviously you'd be able to adapt and learn. But yeah. with it, obviously, human... obviously we would want something that's that's. I mean, the the dream here, and I suppose AI is really a topic for another time. But in terms of productivity, the 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 ideal here would be to have something that not only understands the kind of productivity that I want to do today, but also understands that background history in terms of how what productivity means to me. What you know, what did I do when I started reading GTD in two thousand and five? What parts of that worked? If I look back at some mm-hmm. of my older notebooks and see. Um, some of the success stories from there how can i model that how can i take some of those things that we've learned in the past and model that into something in success in the future and often when you're in the moment and you're trying to decide if you want to agree to do something for someone else or not someone's sending you a message they're saying hey can can you do are you interested in doing x because i think it's a good thing for you to do or you know someone's asking you to do something or you think trying to decide how long it will take for you to do a task. If you've got something that actually understands that history, whether it's necessarily something that you want to be doing now, that has that kind of knowledge of how you know well you've achieved these things in the past, it would really help you make those kind of decisions um, at any kind of any kind of time. Um, and it would offload a lot of mental stuff off of us. For example, you know, um, would you trust an AI to look after your finances and investments yeah probably because it probably do a better job right and then there's one less thing to worry about like did you remember to pay this bill because not everything is like direct uh, debit or something you know you've got to sometimes you've got to pay a bill manually like you wouldn't have to worry about those things you wouldn't need it in your to-do list because you would have something that's already worrying about that for you you know what am i gonna mm-hmm. what am i gonna eat this evening it's okay it's already sorted for you you know Am I going to agree to do to deliver this work? No, it's unrealistic because you've got this thing that you forgot about. Oh yeah, I'm not going to be able to do that because I've got these other things going on, or you know something has come up, something wonderful's come up, or something bad that's come up, and hey, I need to rearrange my next two months schedule. Fine, you know it can just do all that for you. Although saying that, there would have to be a lot of transparency and a way for you to, to learn or and why it's done certain things. And if you don't keep up to date with what it's doing, just ask it. Yeah. I mean, I think the kind of thing that we're aiming for here, and, and I know this is not, this is not right, like available right now is something that you can actually have that kind of conversation with where you can say, all right, what am I supposed to be doing today? And it'll go, well, you had this, this, and this to do. And you'd be able to say to it, well, I can't be bothered to do, a b or c here um because of, because of whatever and it'll go oh, look I, I get it i know what you're saying but you should do b forget about a and c well i'll, I'll sort something out about those we'll, we'll probably have to come back and look at them again but we can do b is that all right does that sound okay it means that you're not going to be able to go to the cinema because actually you know you're gonna have to work that evening but we can do this and you go ah oh, you're right i do want to go to the cinema and you go well you know we can you can just do it now it won't take you long and you go oh yeah all right i'll do it <laughs> right 
the dream. That's the, co- that's the conversation you want. I would totally love that, providing it's also like the movie Her with Scarlett Johansson's voice. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, going back to the training thing, it's like someone like Jules, this is kind of training in AI in any respect to, to understand what you want is, is going to take time regardless of the state of technology. You know, And this is in the ideal world where this technology exists, right? Which it doesn't right now. But for someone like Jules where, you know, he has kept track of pretty much everything that he's done, whether it's planning, emails, you know, photographs, chat records, and some, like an AI would take, in an ideal world, seconds to go through all that data and comprise a model of how Jules's progression has... has, has I've, got, has, I've got emails that go back to the 90s. Yeah, and he, that, you know, would have a probably an understanding of, of Jules's methodologies as much as he does, probably better than he does because it'll spot trends that you probably didn't realize existed. Yeah, because I've, I've written things in OneNote notebooks like um, many, many years ago, um, t- 10 years ago. I've been using uh, OneNote, no, wait a minute, longer than that, more than 10 years. I've been using OneNote since 2003, I think, um, and I still got stuff archived away in there. I don't read that stuff very often, but there's probably some really good insights in there, things mm. that I've learned, things that I've discovered about myself, written down, and then probably never read again. Yeah, I mean, well, that's why I imagine if we go, even in the past you know, year and a half, go through the, our previous notebooks, there'll be loads of stuff in there that is just great to learn from. Mm. And that's, that's why I do these uh, regular reviews. That's why, that's why I have that yearly rhythm as well. And there's something I, I've definitely seen within... Uh, within my journaling is, is the transition over time and thinking about how I've changed in terms of what I'm eating and how much weight I've lost or uh, what am I doing better now than before and what am I doing worse now? Yeah. And you know, there's a, there's a, there's a thing around, you know, being able to do this kind of thing, to be able to make that kind of personal change fundamentally. And I've written this down in my own notebooks many, many times. Awareness is the key. Yes. Being aware of it entirely. is the key. Because that's, that's what I keep telling people. Like, uh, I was in the car the other day and um, a fellow colleague was like, why do you do this? And it's it's because being aware of it makes makes it easier to then act upon. If you could see a trend or if, as long as you're aware, you then have the, the, you know, the power to, to change that. If you're not aware and it's just blind, then you're not going to be able to change anything. Yeah. Because you, yeah. you don't see it. I definitely feel like that with um, my Apple Watch and just looking at how many calories I burn a day. I think I would be much chubbier now if I hadn't had it. And that's because I will look at, oh, how many calories have I burned today? Oh, I can have McDonald's. Do you know what I mean? So being aware of that kind of stuff is, is super, is, is, is probably 70% of the battle, right? Definitely. Because they're not that difficult things to change especially when it comes to food for example you just you just gotta be aware and then go all right i actually need to do something about this and then all right i'm gonna put a food plan in place or every tuesday instead of having my weekly mcdonald's for example i'm going to change it to something still enjoyable but not as bad and i I also think that uh me having a food plan or for example me cutting out mcdonald's it's definitely helped you, for for example, Jordan, because you don't have McDonald's now as much. Because we were we were oh, definitely yeah. kind of bad together, and I think Jules got dragged into that as well. Yeah, one a week, and now I maybe have a McDonald's once a month. 
Yeah. Know, we're gonna I, have, we'll have to mention the uh, double burger scenario. Yeah. Oh god, I want one, but I do eat a lot more Subway, I guess, because. Um, and that that's you eating ad hoc. Yeah, that is me eating ad hoc. And which is what I what I try to prevent. The problem I have is my food plan is so terrible that I don't actually eat during the days. Um, and well, it'll, it'll get to like seven p.m. and I'll realize crap, I've not eaten breakfast yet or lunch. So I'll be like, right, I'm so hungry. But that's really bad for my metabolism because it means that the sugar levels that are in my like that I am used to. What I find is. I'm actually really active in the morning. Like, I'm really like, boom, 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 boom. I'm not like, it's not, I'm groggy, but I'm like, oh, yeah, I can, I can power through stuff. And then when I eat, I feel really tired because my metabolism is just like, what the hell is going on? Like, you need to digest all this food and you, you were using all this energy. I need to deal with it. You need to get out of that. I think that's half the problem with me getting up in the mornings is I feel really tired. It's probably down to my diet. Yeah, and that's the that's the thing you can do with uh, being aware of what you're eating is say, oh, I'm actually not getting enough of this vitamin or this kind of uh, food, you know, or food group. So I'm going to remove this part from here because this might be my less enjoyable part and change it with something of this food group that is more enjoyable to me. Yeah. And then overall you start to see that change and, you know, it's, it's definitely something that I, I like to see. And you, you definitely feel better about yourself as a person when you do this kind of stuff definitely definitely it's something i think i will document over the course of our podcasts and see how i get uh, yeah to... we'll check in yeah we'll check, check in. in follow up thanks for listening to the mavis podcast you can find the show notes for today's episode at mavispodcast.com and tweet us any questions you may have at mavis podcast on twitter once again we'd really appreciate your reviews on itunes under mavis and finally you can find julian on twitter at julian k jordan at Jordan is on fire and I'm at Andrew Halfway.